Welcome to Query, where we provide simple answers to complex and holiday-themed tech questions. My name is Serenity Caldwell, and I am, as always, joined by my co-host, Stephen Hackett. Hi, Stephen. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. All the above. Last show of the year. Last show of the year. It's it's strange that 2017 is over. I don't think I'm going to miss 2017. No. Uh, You know, a lot of good things happened in 2017, but also so many other things happened that i'm i'm ready to say goodbye to this year uh i uh i agree with that so uh so today we're gonna do something a little bit different a bunch of us will be seeing a lot of family over the next couple of weeks and if you're anything like the two of us you get a bunch of tech questions from family members right uh you know someone you may not see very often suddenly wants you to do stuff with their their iphone or their mac or whatever uh and so we're gonna Talk about that. I've done some Mac tips. You're coming with some iOS stuff. And um, we're going to, I think, hopefully be able to sort of hit the high points. You know, we really thought about what are the most common questions that we've heard over the years. And uh, hopefully we can make your holiday run a little bit smoother when it comes to family tech support. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So first of all, I guess I'll start off with uh, with an iOS question. How's that sound, Stephen? Sounds good. All right. So uh, usually when I come home, uh, aside from my family members running at me with devices, which I find specifically funny, by the way, because my dad used to be an Apple genius. So <laughs> in theory, they should be able to solve their problems. Uh, but still, when they come running to me with devices, uh, a lot of the weird, the weird questions, a lot of the questions that I get have to do with specific features like why is my a key doing a question mark when i try Mm. and type in i (laughs) or hey someone says that they're sending me an emoji but all i see is a blank box or the internet says that this feature exists but i don't have it or i'm getting an error uh to all of those things usually the first thing i do when when they hand over their device is i open it up I open up the settings app, I look at general, I tap on software update, and uh, check in and see if they, they've installed the latest update, because 99% of the time, they have not. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if it's like that in your family too, Stephen, but I feel like despite the fact Apple's made it a lot easier to automatically update software, uh, there's been a lot of pushback from people on, oh, I don't want to update my software because I don't know, either I don't know what this is, or... Uh, as we've seen in the last couple months, I don't know if this is reliable. Uh, which, yeah. yeah, that's that's kind of Apple's fault, unfortunately. It, it is. I, I do feel like there's been a lot more pushback on that this year than than previous years, and uh, I think there's a lot of little reasons for that. I think you, said, you know reliability. People are just unsure. There's the the thought there that it's going to make their phones slower which isn't true unless their battery is in poor shape, maybe. Uh, so I think people are, are generally hesitant. And that's why Apple um, that's why Apple uses emoji as bait. You know, that's one of the, one of the questions you, you mentioned. It's like, hey, I can't see this emoji someone sent me. So those come, you know, not with iOS 11, but I think they were in like 11.1 or 11.2, mm-hmm. you know, a later update. To, to kind of pull people who haven't gone to 11 yet to kind of pull them along. And I see that strategy. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's not a very subtle strategy, right? 
but it's one that works because people care about emoji. They want to send our friend the hedgehog. I think I think we've adopted the hedgehog as the official query emoji, by the way. The hedgehog is pretty great. I feel like it's appropriate. Uh, people want to see that stuff. And they, you know, there's this real sense of like, I'm missing out or I, I can't communicate because I don't have what everyone else has. And uh, so the emoji as an update lover is like, <laughs> it's brilliant on Apple's part. Uh, and and definitely a, a reason to stay up to date. Yeah. Um, and I guess we should talk about, you know, why you might not, why you might like play devil's advocate here and get into the camp of the people who are like, no, I want to stay off the latest software update, uh, which is to say I'm okay with this in the first couple days of a software update, right? When something pops up and you're like, okay, given Apple's track reliability in the last few months, maybe uh, maybe we should wait. Uh, but Apple does make it really easy to update your software after those first couple days because they'll prompt you. Every time you, uh, you your phone goes to dead and then it comes back on, it'll be like, hey, did you know you have a software update? Mm-hmm. Would you like to install this software update? So if you're really concerned that Apple, that it's not secure or, or it's not, you know, it's not uh, as balanced as it could be, you can wait a couple days. Uh, just remember to install it sooner rather than later, because for everything, you know, for all of the date bugs and weird things like that, uh, Apple's uh, app update or Apple's uh, iOS updates do fix pretty glaring security flaws, too. So it's really kind of important to uh, to, to to follow the emoji train to, to take Stephen's uh, metaphor in an entirely weird place. Um, Is the hedgehog th- driving the train? Can yes. hedgehogs drive trains? The hedge- I, you know what? In this universe, they can. In this universe, they're like porks. You know what? They're like uh, they're they're sitting on the the windshield and they they go. I, I don't know what sound hedgehogs make, but that's fair. I think I think the- you nailed it. Yep. Uh, but yeah. You know what? Sometimes uh, it is important to read the contents of your software update and say, hey, this fixes a bug with with Touch ID. Probably I should install it so that nobody can steal my data yeah. uh, or or the like a couple software updates ago, like the crack vulnerability. So in general, update your software to keep your phone safe. You can wait a couple of days. But remember, uh, if it's you know, if it's hiding away. You can always go to the, the software update checkmark. And if you're visiting friends for the holidays or family members for the holidays, do them a favor and update their software. It's good. So I've got my first uh, my first Mac question. And it's, a, it's about uh, apps. So we've all had the experience, right? You click an app in the dock and it doesn't launch. Maybe it bounces and then crashes or maybe it opens for a second and then and then closes on its own. Um I've seen a little bit of a rash of this after High Sierra because a lot of applications like older versions of Adobe products and older versions of Microsoft Office aren't compatible with High Sierra. Uh, some developers have, have sort of made High Sierra sort of the cutoff point. Uh, so there are a couple of things you can do if you have the situation. One is to check the requirements for, for the app. So, uh, you know, a little Googling of, you know, High Sierra and Office 2004 or Office 2008 you know, it may be very clear of what's um, what's going on. You know what what you've stumbled into is just a compatibility issue. Um, so, if someone you know has, has installed High Sierra and, and they have an app that won't launch, it may be as simple as, you know, hey, maybe there's an update for that you can download from the developer's website, or maybe 
they're running, you know, Photoshop CS4 and it's just time to move on and you can have that conversation. Um, uh, so that's always a, a simple thing to say, make sure just out of the gate, it, do I have a compatibility issue? Because if you do, then that's the problem, not necessarily anything else. Uh, if you are compatible, so if, hey, I'm running the latest version of Microsoft Office and Excel is still doing this, you know, you can do some Googling, see if, if there's an issue. Again, check for updates. Um, it, it may be sort of a known deal where, you know, the developer has a, a web page up and you can kind of see what's going on. Um, if it's from the Mac App Store, this is even easier. It's easy to check for those updates, right? Just go into the Mac App Store and, and hit the Update tab. Um, you can delete the app bundle. So this is an important difference between the Mac and iOS. When you delete an iOS application, all of its settings and information or everything are all contained in that app. They're, they're all in a bundle. The Mac is different where you have the application itself and then it has preferences and support files and stuff just spewn all over the place. And it's wish it's something that, you know, I wish the Mac made a little bit cleaner, but it is what it is. Uh, so if it's on the Mac App Store, you can delete the app bundle and then reinstall the app, you know, very easily. And you know, that may that may take care of it. And maybe the app got damaged during an update or a migration or something. If it's not from the Mac App Store, you definitely want to make sure before you reinstall anything that you have the serial number for that application written down. So I actually had this with a family member not too long ago uh, where I needed to reinstall Microsoft Office and they had not kept the box that came in with the product key on it. And, you know, I I thought, you know, they, they had that. Uh, now, like in the future, just take a picture of it. You know, you can store it in one password or in notes or something. Uh, and so we had to like do this big song and dance of getting getting them a product key that was valid again. Uh, so you want to make sure you have that because you could make a situation go from bad to worse if you uninstall something and then you don't have a product key to reinstall it. Uh, some big apps have uninstallers. So like uh, Adobe apps have uninstallers in the utilities folder. Uh, Backblaze comes with an uninstaller in their disk image. You know, again, some Google foo will tell you, hey, does this have an uninstaller because these apps put things everywhere. Um but if you don't want to reinstall it, or if you do and you still have the same problem, it may be one of those other files. It may be a preference file. It may be a setting a settings file or a cache somewhere that, that's acting up. Um, you may have to go, you know, diving into the user library folder. You know, you can set up a test account and see if, if it works in a test account, but doesn't work in their account, then it's definitely something in their user library that's holding it up. Um, usually what I do these days, because apps do things differently, uh, I just go to the user library and and in, and in Finder, I just search that folder for the name of the application, and it will show me all the preference files, all the caches, and then you can do stuff like I'm going to take all these files and put them on the desktop and see if the app launches. And apps will regenerate their preference files as needed, and then you may be you may be set. So this is a thing that can be complicated depending on how far down this road you have to go, but with a little bit of time, you can. Get somebody's you know application uh, working again uh, without you know too much trouble because again you can reinstall it you can get rid of the preferences uh, and make sure it's it's compatible those are the big three things you can check. Yeah, I think those are all really really good hip tips. Um, I have one additional one, uh, which is actually something that I ran into a few days ago. Uh, weirdly. Uh, where if you've installed a, a demo or if you've installed uh, an app that maybe doesn't isn't launching from the correct spot, 
um, but it either automatically installed itself in the dock or you dragged it to the dock um, and it it's since been moved around. There is a small bug that appears very rarely, like once in a blue moon, where even though you have the alias in the dock, uh, for some reason it's just not talking to the original application. Uh, and you can check that really easily by just right-clicking or control-clicking on the app icon in the dock, going to options, and then showing show in Finder. Um, and hopefully it will show the app in the applications folder. <laughs> right. Um, not not in the ins- downloads folder. <laughs> yeah. If it instead, uh, as what happened to me, shows the app in the trash Oh, good. Uh, spoiler, you cannot <laughs> open apps from the trash. Oh, no. <laughs> so I had cleared my, it was, eyeglasses was living in my downloads folder, and I had cleared my downloads folder and not realized that eyeglasses had never made it to applications. Uh, so one, you know, one final, like, little thing to, to check. Some, some like, more modern app, Mac apps will tell you, hey, I'm not in the applications folder. Do you want me to move myself there? But a lot of apps don't don't support that. And again, that's sort of the messiness of Mac apps versus iOS. Or iOS, you install an app, it's just on the springboard, and that's like there's no other place for it to go. Where the Mac has some legacy stuff that you can get into weird situations. But that's pretty good. Application from the trash is that's a good one. <laughs> it's most of the troubleshooting, and always ends up you know you you, you do something stupid yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So speaking of files and applications, uh, my next iOS tip is a very common refrain that I feel like I get almost every time I just visit friends or family, period, like let alone it's holidays. And it's Serenity, my phone is out of space and slow and I don't understand. And I keep on having to delete photos to take more photos. And it's at that point that I just kind of frown and shake my head and I'm like there there are there are things for this now uh so let's talk about the the things uh that allow you to fix your poor out of space iphone i should say number one uh the newer iphones are much better in this and that they start at 32 gigs of storage and yes. go all the way up to you know what is it, is it two is it up to 256 on the iphone 10 uh, or is it still it, just 128 uh 256 yeah it's yeah crazy. so so you can, I, I say that, I'm looking at my iPhone 10 with iPhone storage, and it says of 256 used. <laughs> so apparently my brain's not owned. But uh, but yeah, so uh, if you have a newer phone, uh, you're already kind of less likely to run into this problem. But even so, you know, we, we take a lot of photos, we, we download a lot of apps. Uh, so my f- very first suggestion is to find out what's taking up all of your storage. Uh, and you can do that by going to settings, general, iPhone storage, um, and it'll actually give you a very Mac-like breakdown of like, this is how much uh, space that your apps are using, and this is how much your photos are using, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's just a good kind of overview, because if you see, for instance, if you have, you know, a 16 gig iPhone and it's like 12 out of 16 gigs is photos, uh, then you're like, oh, OK, well, <laughs> that that explains where my problem is. Um, But if you're not quite sure, then you've got uh, some really handy recommendations that uh, I think sort of started playing around in iOS 10, but really came into their own in iOS 11. Yeah, so if you haven't used an app in a few weeks, you can just offload it from your phone. And all of those preference files still get saved via iCloud um, and your your Apple ID. It's another way in which uh, iOS apps are a little bit different than Mac apps. Uh, so, for instance, if I look at my iPhone 10, it tells me I can save up to two gigabytes of uh, of by offloading unused apps. Granted, that's uh, that's probably a big number because I don't 
uh, I, I'm constantly downloading apps to, right. to test them once and then never talk to them again. But you could do things like that. Uh, one of the other features that I love in iOS 11 is uh, a recommendation to review large attachments. So previously, uh, you could choose whether to save your iPhone's messages uh, for like a week or a month or a year or forever if you had attachments next to those messages. And I always chose forever because I, you know, I don't want to lose my messages. Um, and I find all of that stuff really interesting to go back and look at. Uh, but that has the downside of unfortunately, you know, your your messages end up being you know, six, seven, eight gigabytes in space. Uh, so what review large attachments allows you to do is it specifically highlights, uh, like the, the term says, large attachments in random messages. So if I tap on it, for instance, it shows me a video I took on October 31st, um, an evil emoji uh, from November 6th, <laughs> uh, some more videos, uh, a PDF, a couple of uh, WAV files, um, and it allows me to delete those on an individual basis or on an entirety basis. So I can just delete all of the big attachments. Um, and that way I can still have those messages. I don't have to go through those messages individually to find them. Um, I just don't have the, the videos anymore. And, you know, some, sometimes that's okay. Sometimes you don't need the, the gift turned into a video of a, of a cat falling down the stairs. It's just, Speak you know. for yourself. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, the last thing in that screen is you can also see how many gigabytes each app on your phone is taking up. So, for instance, uh, the third thing on my pod and my iPhone storage is podcasts. Uh, and it shows 2.13 gigabytes taken up because I have a bunch of downloaded podcasts from when I was driving back and forth from Montreal. Uh, so when you tap on the app, it actually has two different buttons. It has offload app and delete app. Um, so offload app is a really helpful button. And I'm I'm not sure if it's available to not to third party apps or just Apple's like official podcasts, music, etc. cetera. Uh, but essentially what it does is it dumps all of the storage being used. So for instance, if you have, you know, 500 megabytes of Crimea Riverdale downloaded, offloading the app will just dump all of those saved files and you'll still be able to re-download them if you want and you can stream them, but now they're not locally stored on your phone, um, which is which can be really helpful. Again, if you're a podcast nerd or an audiobooks or you've been working with a lot of projects in iMovie, these are all ways to very helpfully target them. Uh, so that's kind of the first general thing for I'm out of space. My second one has to do with iCloud Photo Library. Um, and this is an older trick, but still, in my opinion, a very valuable one, which is to say uh, photo storage for from Apple is relatively cheap. You can get 50 gigabytes for 99 cents a month. Um, and the peace of mind that iCloud Photo Library gives you on iOS, even if you choose never to use it on the Mac, it's just very, very nice to know that you can have your photos backed up to the cloud um, without necessarily having to keep all of them on your iPhone 10 or worry about which ones you've offloaded or which ones you've, you know, you've down, you've put on your Mac or transferred to another iPhone or what, what have you. Uh, so I have iCloud Photo Library enabled um, and optimized storage, iPhone storage checked. And what that means is that any photo I take, any 4K video I shoot, um, any raw photo I take with a third-party app, 
All of those are saved to iCloud Photo Library as well as to my phone. Uh, But after a certain point, uh, usually on my iPhone, it's about two or three days, those photos get uploaded to iCloud. um, And then their local copies are deleted off my phone and replaced with very low quality uh, thumbnails. Right. And anytime I tap on those thumbnails, I get the full quality picture or photo back uh, if I'm connected to the internet. Otherwise, I can just kind of peruse the low quality photos um, until I get a connection again. Uh, but it really, it it saves you massive space on your phone. It's it's something that now that it's stable and even photos for, for Mac OS is, is pretty great. Uh, I recommend, I think, for pretty much anybody because it just it makes the photos experience so much better. Yeah. And the 99 cents a month thing is hardly any money over even over the course of a year. And, you know, it's something where I've had family members or friends, you know, sort of bemoan the cost of it. Uh, But it's such a it's such an easy thing to do. You just check the checkbox and the system takes care of it. Um, it, It's it's really sort of shocking to me that people aren't willing to do it because it is so cheap. You know, 50 gigs will take care of almost everybody. You know, if you need more, they have the family sharing and all that stuff. But just to get in the door, you know, 12 bucks a year is, I mean, it's after buying an iPhone, it's, it's effectively free, right? Like it's yeah. not, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> no, 12, 12 bucks a year is uh yeah. If, if you yeah. cannot pay 12 bucks a year so that you're, you don't have to bemoan about space every, every day and delete photos from your, from your iPhone, then, uh, well, you know, you just have yeah. different priorities. It's fine. Then you hand your family member a $10 bill and tell them <laughs> it's their Christmas present. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Honestly, I have, I pay for an embarrassing amount of iCloud storage plans. Um, <laughs> most, mostly, as as you said, it's like to, to get people off on the, the right foot and just be like, yeah. it's a dollar a month. Your sanity will be worth it. Just, just go with it. It'll and you can okay. back up the devices to it. I mean, that space goes towards so many yeah. things. Yeah. It's true. It's true. It's it's very useful. Uh, but yeah, iCloud Photo Library uh, is kind of a must a must do. Fifty gigs is a fair amount of space, and even the the higher level plans. Yeah, I wish Apple would make their base five gig plan a little bit bigger in space. Yeah, it's it is kind of ridiculous in the age of Google throwing massive amounts of storage space and Amazon throwing massive amounts of storage space at people that Apple can't bump that up a little bit. Uh, even if software and services are their fastest growing, blah, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, be nice to your customers. Maybe give them a little bit of extra space this holiday season. But in the meantime, dollar a month. So, so going back to the Mac, uh, uh, another common thing, if it, it feels like it's sort of in hand with what you were talking about, I think this is a pretty common one, is that, you know, my computer feels slower than it used to be. And that can be perception, Right, just as, as as computers age, people think they get slower, uh, but it also can be uh, a real thing, especially on older machines with spinning hard drives, or you know, a Mac with a Fusion drive. That hard drive could be acting up, and that would actually slow down, uh, slow down the machine. So you can do some basic maintenance. Uh, in the show notes, there'll be a link to an article about Safe Boot. You basically power on a Mac with the Shift key held down. And this does a bunch of sort of like regular maintenance stuff. It verifies the startup disk. If there's any directory issues with the file system, it attempts to repair them. Uh, It also loads sort of a minimum number of things. So only required extensions, any login items are prevented from opening. It disables user installed fonts. So 
if you do a safe boot and the computer is like drastically faster afterwards, you can start looking at these things individually and say, okay, maybe you have, you know, you have 37 things that open at login and the computer is not slow, but it takes a long time to log in because it's doing a bunch of stuff or, you know, Hey, you've installed, you know, you have an old version of VMware fusion that installed a kernel extension. You're not using it anymore. Let's get rid of that. Um, so I like safe boot as just a, Let's just clear the decks and see uh, see what's going on and kind of go from there. Um, you can also check on the health of the drive itself. You can boot into recovery mode and open disk utility and select the drive and hit repair. You can do this on a hard drive or an SSD. And if you're getting a lot of errors back, you know, there may be, it may be time for a reinstall or it may be time, you know, maybe a, a sign that especially a hard drive is starting to fail. Uh, if that's the case, and it is a spinning hard drive, and it's a computer that's easy to get into, like a, like say like a pre-Retina MacBook Pro, those computers are prime targets to upgrade to an SSD because it's really easy to do. Uh, SSDs are pretty cheap, and it's going to make the machine drastically faster. Um, but if you have something like an iMac, so uh, my mother-in-law has a, has a 2009 iMac. So it's, it's still it's aluminum, but it's got an optical drive, and it's a little bit thicker than what we have now. And it runs High Sierra, but it had a hard drive in it, and that hard drive was beginning to act up, and it did feel slower. And so I, you know, had SSD put in it. There's an Apple authorized service provider. Most towns have them. Uh, you can find them on Apple's website. And they, uh, even though this this repair and this machine's out of warranty, they are trained. They know what they're doing. Like if you don't know what you're doing, don't open an iMac because the last thing you want is to have the conversation of I went to upgrade your computer, but then I broke it, and now you need a new one. That's that's not a pleasant conversation to have with the in-laws, but, um, you know, a little bit of investment, uh, can make a computer run much faster. The difference between a spinning hard drive and SSD is it's really hard to hard, hard to put into words. It's so much better. And, and honestly, her late Oh nine iMac, uh, it runs super well on an SSD. Uh, I upgraded the Ram. The Ram was super cheap for Mac sales. And so, you know, I think it, I think it had two gigs in it and I took it to eight, which was the max, I believe. And like, it's fine. Like 2009, you know, 2010, those era computers with a little bit of investment, um, they really run really well. And that's not to say that she might not have some sort of catastrophic failure down the road, but she didn't need to buy a new computer. You know, it was just, let's spend a couple hundred bucks and kind of give it a new, a new a breath of life into it and, and see how far down the road you get. And that can be, you know, a little bit of investment, but you can stave off an upgrade. Um, if that's, you know, reasonable to do for your, your type of machine. Yeah. I, uh, I've done this to several of my older Macs. I think we talked about this in a, in one of the queries a few, few weeks back on upgrading older Macs, but it really does. It's, it's night and day, uh, especially if you need to get a few years more out of your computer. It's like taking care of a, of an older car, right? It's, uh, if you, if you can invest just a little bit of money, it's going to pay off dividends that could, you know, can help you avoid having to get a new computer for a couple of years more. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I fully expect like that 2009, to run, you know, for several more years, you know, barring that it doesn't have like a logic board or a display go out. Um, the, the core components seem like they're in good shape. And, and of course, you know, there is that time to have the talk about a new computer, right? They say their computer's slow and you walk in their office and there's an Emacs sitting there I'm like, yeah, maybe it's time. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think, I think people have an expectation that computers, like they don't have a good expectation how long computers should last. And, 
if the age is right and it's worth spending a little money, you can extend that. And then some people fall on the other end. It's like, well, I bought this computer 10 years ago. Like, well, okay, like 10 years is a long time. You know, you're talking, you know, six or seven years, I think for most people on a desktop is pretty good. And so you can kind of judge, you know, be their judge and say, hey, you know what, really it is time. And, you know, you can help them navigate the world of buying a new Mac or a new PC. But I think most people... You know, you can get some more life out of it if you're willing to spend a little time and money. Absolutely. And for all others, you know, maybe maybe consider a new iMac. You don't have to get an iMac Pro, but no. like maybe maybe a new iMac or a MacBook or something yeah. a little more your speed. No one no one needs an iMac Pro. All right. Uh, if you want to submit questions, so normally on the show, we take listener questions and answer them. We're doing something a little different this week. Uh, but if you use the hashtag AskQuery on Twitter, uh, we'll see it and it'll be included in the show. Uh, you know, except for today, I think every question we've ever had on the show, you know, all year has been from listeners, which is really cool. It's really why we do this. Um, so use that hashtag, ask query. Back to iOS. Here's a here's a fun one. Um, so people like to organize their apps on iOS, and I feel like it's become. Uh, almost a pride thing among the the geeky elite, or it's like, let me color code my home screens. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, why do people do that? How I don't do you know. find anything? I don't know. I mean, granted, I use Spotlight for just about anything, but yeah, let's uh, let's let's talk about that a little bit. So, um, the average user, uh, and I'm going to embarrass my mother who doesn't listen to this podcast. Thankfully, uh, the average user just keeps downloading apps uh, and then deleting them if they don't need them, but usually not even deleting them if they don't need them. They just keep downloading apps uh, and they wind up with, you know, four or five, six screens of apps. Um, and even though they know that the the, the button, like pressing on the app can help move it around, uh, I, I don't think there's a huge, you know, there's there's not a whole like, oh, I can actually organize it. It's so slow. You have to drag it from screen to screen. So let's talk about ways to uh, to make finding apps easier. Uh, this is another plug for iOS 11. It is pretty great in that um, on the iPad Pro, of course, iOS 11 brings a whole bunch of multi-finger drag and drop uh, interactions, including dragging files between uh, between applications and stuff like that. But did you know uh, that you can also move multiple applications at once uh, with multiple fingers on an iPhone? Uh, And I feel like that's a thing like a lot of geeky folks know. Um, But every time I teach it to one of uh, my friends or my family members, their eyes kind of bug out of their head and they're like, (laughs) this is awesome. Uh, So... In short, what happens is when you press on an app um, and hold on it with a not not a super hard press into 3D Touch. Side note, that's a whole other issue with trying to explain to people. Um, but uh, if you just press and hold on an app, you'll get uh, the little jiggle and you'll get the X in the top left corner. Um, and if you continue to press and hold on it again, you can kind of get a, uh, a sliding uh, hover, basically, where you can move the app around. Now, if you tap on secondary or third tertiary apps, uh, you can now add a whole bunch to a stack. And you'll notice as you tap on there, you'll start to see a number in the upper right corner of your your see-through stack, uh, the more apps you add. So for instance, I'm doing it right now, and right now I'm up to 14, there's 15, there's 16. Um, And you can't add folders to this stack, you can only add individual apps. 
and you can then use that second finger to just swipe between home screens and drop those apps wherever you like. Uh, so it's a really quick way, say, if you're like, oh, man, I love flip-flop solitaire. That's my favorite. Why is it on page six? Uh, but I also use Halide a lot as a camera. So I'm going to tap that. Uh, and then I'm going to tap on Halide, and then maybe I'm also going to bring over TripAdvisor because I'm going on a trip, and then I just slide it over to that first home screen and drop down, and now I have all of the things that I like uh, on my first home screen. Uh, and it's a lot it's a lot faster than the, than the old uh, one-drop way, and it's something that I don't think a lot of people know about uh, outside of, again, the tech circle. The other thing, uh, if you really want to wow your, your parents and your friends, is what Stephen and I were talking about earlier, which is Spotlight. Uh, now, uh, people have, I think, come into Spotlight, you know, you, you come into it occasionally, even if you're not a power user, uh, because if you drag down on the middle of a home screen anywhere, you'll you'll go into the search screen. Um, or if you just swipe, uh, swipe right from the first home screen, you'll go into sort of the widgets and the, the Spotlight screen. Uh, but specifically, I want to talk about the pull down. Because I think the pull down is really the pull down from the middle of the home screen is really useful for for launching apps that that you use regularly. So there are two options: uh, the search but the search bar, of course, allows you to search for just about anything. Um, and for instance, if I type in like iDevices and I want to control my iDevices switch, which has my uh, which has my Christmas lights attached to it. I can I can look at it, and then the first thing that pops up under Applications is iDevices, and then I tap on it, and I can go straight there, no matter where it's hiding. If it's in two, you know, it's in if it's in a folder or hidden on the sixth home screen, I can still find it almost instantly that way. The other thing is Siri's app suggestions. By default, it just shows four apps um, that you might have recently used, or that for whatever reason might make sense based on the time of day that you're using your phone. Uh, but I recommend that everybody tap the show more button uh, because that opens it from four apps to eight apps. Unless you're on an, an iPhone SE, you have the the physical real estate to show all <laughs> eight apps. Um, and those last four are almost always apps that you've opened in the last 24 hours that you've spent significant time in. Um, and what's really nice about that is, for instance, let's say I'm swapping between Safari and Mail to do something, um, but then I want to listen to some music because I was listening to Spotify earlier. Chances are the Spotify app is going to show up in your Siri app suggestions. So rather than having to hunt around for Spotify, all you have to do is drag down in the middle of that and tap on the Spotify app. Yeah, it's it's great. I, you know, I've got folders and stuff everywhere and... Um... Uh, it is, uh, that's probably makes it so much easier. Right. Cause I, sometimes I'm sure you have this. I just stare at my screen of folders. I'm like, yep. I know this app is in one of you. Right. But I don't know which one. And it's, it's super fast. Somewhere, somewhere out there. Yeah. It's great. And then the, the last one is even easier in most circumstances, which is either pressing your home button or pressing the side button. If you have an iPhone 10, uh, activating, uh, Siri and asking Siri to open the app of your choice. So if I was like, Siri, open Flip Flop, it would automatically open Flip Flop Solitaire. Um, the only downside there is if you have an app 
that might be mispronounced. Uh, and I have a specific example here, which is the really, really awesome two-factor authentication app, Authy, um, which is another great thing that you can do for your for your your uh, relatives to set them up with two-factor authentication and explain why it's not terrible. Um, but that's another tip. <laughs> uh, if you try and say Siri launch Authy, uh, every single time I have tried this, it thinks I am saying O-F-F-I-E. Mm. And I have tried teaching it text recommendation or text exchange and, and all of the above. It does not work. Uh, so you may run into that with an, with an app that just won't launch with your voice. And for that, Spotlight is always useful. But uh, but otherwise, uh, I feel like Siri Siri app launching is pretty nice, and you can do it from the Apple Watch too. And it's nice, like you don't, you know, if you have multiple pages, you still have to remember where things are, right? Like you just you just pull it down from wherever you are. You don't have to stop what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's a big exactly. Win. It's really nice. Alrighty. Uh, so up up next, my my last one uh, is how do I make sure I don't lose everything on my computer? Longtime listeners would know I like to talk about backups. I promise this won't take long. Back their stuff up. Time Machine is built into Mac OS. You can Amazon Prime them a USB hard drive, right? That can be your Christmas present. Plug it in. It's all set up automatically. You can let it run. Uh, You can also do something like Backblaze. I mentioned them earlier. It's like five bucks a month, a computer, um, and everything gets backed up online. So if something happens to the house or, you know, uh, something stolen or something burns down, their data is out of the house. It's a secondary deal for sure. So if someone's on like DSL, right, then uh, cloud backups, honestly, probably not super possible for them because of that limited upload speed. But it will, you know, at the very least having that time machine drive is a good first step because, you know, you don't want to lose those photos or those documents or anything. So uh, anytime, you know, someone, I talk to someone with a Mac, someone asks me questions, that's always on my list. Hey, do you use time machine? Um, cause you can spend like 40 bucks on a hard drive and be set. So, uh, you should, you should do it. Take care of your stuff. Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, so I think, I think that brings us to the end, but I did have one quick bonus, bonus tip and it, it spans the platforms. So it's here at the end. Um, a lot of All people, of the above. a lot of people have trouble remembering passwords or, you know, their, their Facebook gets hacked because they use the same password there as on their email. And just people in general have pretty poor uh, password hygiene. And it's easier than ever to set somebody up on something like 1Password or at the very least iCloud Keychain. Um, these tools can be a little complicated. Like, you know, I like 1Password a lot, but it helps if you have somebody who knows what they're doing help you get it set up and explain it to you. Um, you know, just recently I had someone who I know uses 1Password and uh, I was observing them on their phone one day, just sort of casually, and they went to 1Password and copied the password in the back to the Safari. And I was like, hey, you know, there's an extension, right? So you don't have to bounce back and forth. And it blew their mind because they've been doing this for years, right? And uh, so, you know, these things can be complicated, um, but at least getting somebody started, you know, and helping them through it if you have the time. Because this is not something you set up and then walk away from. No. <laughs> password management is complicated. And as good as these tools are, it there's a little hand-holding. And so if it's somebody, you know, so, you know, your uncle who lives in North Dakota you see once a year, maybe you don't have to do this for him because he's never going to, you know, you're going to hear, get phone calls and emails all the time. <laughs> but if it's somebody you interact with on a regular basis, uh, even if it's just a spouse, right, or someone, or, you know, a sibling or a parent in town, this can be a good thing to do. Um, 
at the very least, uh, you know, you can have a conversation about, hey, you know, at least make your passwords different, different places. You know, you don't have to have a, a 38 page PDF explaining good password hygiene, but having some conversation about some good practices can go a long way and it may protect somebody down the road from something bad happening. So at the very least have the conversation, if you're feeling brave, set up, you know, a password manager for them. But, uh, I think it's something we're thinking about this season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's something that I did for my parents last year is I actually gave them a Christmas card gift that basically said, uh, one copy of one password and set up free setup expertise. Yeah. Uh, so I spent probably two days helping my dad get set up with, with one password. Um, but, but now they, they work, they use it. So. Yeah. And with family accounts, you know, you can have shared access to stuff. So we have that in my house. My wife and I have a bunch of shared logins, but you can still have your own personal ones, right? So like, I don't have all of her. She doesn't have all of mine. Um, but that, that product has come a long way. So if, if it's somebody who you think can handle it and you've got some time to help them, uh, it can be a really nice thing to do. But at the very least, have a conversation. I think that does it. I think we're ready for the holidays. Yeah, we, we've covered all of our major tech, tech support, tech suggestion, tech present. And, uh, and to all of our listeners, have a happy December holiday of your choice. Uh, it's been a pleasure. There you go. It, it's, this is a really fun show. And it's because of all of you, like Stephen said, that we get to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you want to find the show notes this week, so you're you know you're stuck in Milwaukee and your family asks a question, you can find it at relay.fm slash query slash 20. You can get in touch with us there. And of course, you can submit questions with the hashtag AskQuery. In the meantime, you can find Serenity on Twitter as Saturn, S-E-T-T-E-R-N. And you can find her writing at imore.com. I'm ISMH on Twitter, and I write 512pixels.net. Until next year, Serenity, say goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye, and have a happy new year. Adios.